Here we go. You're listening to Law and Gospel on this November the 21st in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me will be Mark Smith as we examine the hymn for this coming Sunday, The Head That Once Was Crowned With Thorns. Four verses of The Head That Once Was Crowned With Thorns. It was written by Thomas Kelly. He lived from 1769 to 1855. And he finds his inspiration not only in the words of Holy Scripture, but primarily from Hebrews 2, verse 10. And from another work inspired by the Scriptures, a lengthy poem by John Bunyan entitled, One Thing is Needful. It is expressed a great hope in the Savior. And we're going to be taking a look at it because it's the hymn of the day for proper 29. And that just so happens to be this coming Sunday, the last Sunday of the church year. Well, Pastor Mark Smith, is that hymn familiar to you? Not as much as I like. I uh, the the problem, you know, I I'm not the greatest musician. I don't think it. At least uh, I can't really read music very well. And what I would do when I'd pick a hymn, I'd pick a hymn that that had a, a familiar melody known to me, or I'd look for other hymns that had the same tune. And if I could find the tune through those other hymns, then I might pick it. But this one, this one, we might call it a hapax legomena. That is, it's the, it's, the only, it's the only hymn of that melody in the hymnal. And so I would, I would kind of shy away from it. But you know, the the really the melody is very nice. I think it, I think it's very, uh, it's a beautiful hymn. Now, 
when your organist plays it, does she play through the hymn first before you start singing? Uh, yeah, usually, usually the organists do that, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So that gives a pretty good indication as to the tune. And yeah. this is a pretty easy tune for the congregation to follow also. It really is. It really is a pretty a pretty hymn and uh and it's short so you can catch on to the uh the melody fairly easily. It's normally used for ascension too. The head that once was crowned with thorns yeah. is crowned this, with glory now. Isn't this Christ what we call Christ the King Sunday? Coming up the last Sunday of the church year, Christ the King, or am I thinking of another Sunday? I have it as the last Sunday of the church year. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's also referred to as Christ the King Sunday. That could be. That could be. And that sure fits it. Now, it says it's on the basis of Hebrews 10. I'm sorry, Hebrews 2, verse 10. Did you take yes. a look at that? Beautiful. I've got it. In fact, I've got it right here. Go ahead and read it. Yeah. Let's see here. Well, I'll read it. For okay. it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. And that's kind of the basis of this hymn. Yeah, I've got even a better passage, Tom, I think. And that's uh, Philippians 2, 9, and 10. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's an excellent verse. Um, in our particular hymnal, it has Hebrews 2.10, 1 Peter 4.16, and then the Philippians passage that you just read. So... Without further ado, can you take a look at stanza one? Gladly. The hymn that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. A royal diadem adorns the mighty victor's brow. What was the first line? The head that once was yes. crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. And that is talking about what two events? It's talking about his uh, crucifixion yep. and also his uh, ascension. Yes. I always like talking about the four shuns, the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. Yeah. And that's a really good summary of the difference of our God compared to every other God in the world. is crowned with glory now. A royal diadem adorns the mighty victor's brow. What's a diadem? 
A diadem is uh, is a, a crown, another name for a crown. Yes. And you know, and... Tom, uh, you know, this hymn would also be, maybe you mentioned this, this hymn would also be excellent for uh, Ascension. Ascension I, I did say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great hymn because it gives that fourth shun when Jesus goes into the clouds. And then, of course, he's going to return on Judgment Day. Right. All right. I'll do two. The highest place that heaven affords is his, is his by right. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords and heaven's eternal light. What is the highest place? That would be at the, at the right hand of the Father. Yes. And in fact, Jesus is also sitting on a throne on that day of judgment. And the highest place that heaven affords is the throne of God. Yeah. Tom, I was trying to find a, a specific passage in thinking ahead on this hymn. I was trying to think of a specific, a specific passage that mentions him wearing a crown or diadem. Um, and, and I only had so, many, so much time. I, I couldn't find one. It, would that be Revelation 5? There's no doubt that Revelation 5, which is one of my favorite Bible chapters, is talking about Jesus and his ascension. And I don't remember the word diadem in Revelation 5. Yeah, I, I don't remember. I just don't remember a, a, a passage talking specifically about him wearing a crown. I know we sing about that all the time, crown with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne, and maybe there is one. I just couldn't couldn't think of one in specific. Well, there are passages that talk about us having the crown. Right, right. Oh, which yes. is his crown. Yes. Yeah. So that's where you could pick that up, and that's in Revelation. Okay. Where we're giving the crown of glory. We're just like Jesus. Right. In our heavenly body. Yeah. He's crowned with glory. That right. would that would be you know that's Revelation uh, five. You know a lot of people think well when we see Jesus again he's going to be like he's going to be like that picture of the good shepherd with the lamb in his arms. But uh, actually I think Revelation five is more like what we'll see when we see him in glory. Here's a question I have for you: When he rose from the dead. Thomas said, I won't believe unless I, you know, can touch his wounds. Now, he saw the wounds. There's no announcement that he ever touched him and right. said, my Lord and my God. Here's my question. Will Jesus have those same wounds in heaven? Yes. Uh, by, from my studies, uh, that is, uh, that seems to be indicated. I can't. Uh, and in fact, our hymnody even speaks. Uh, uh, what's the hymn that talks about in beauty glorified? 
Uh, I think that's crowned him with many crowns. It talks about and talks about uh, his uh, his wounds. So I think we're uh, we're led to believe that he will have those same wounds when we see him again in glory. Yeah. See, I don't agree with that because oh, okay. that would mean that the human beings will also have their wounds. Like if you're well, blind. we know he was when he was. Uh, in his uh, state of exaltation, when he when he saw Thomas and the other disciples, the wounds were there. But why would they not? Why would they not be there in his in his ascended glory? Because he is would have a glorified body. Okay, there's is there a difference of opinion on that question? Well, I've never heard that he has wounds in heaven. Okay. But we'd have to take a look at deeper passages to see about that. Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt they're mentioned, but that's prior to his ascension. And so there is a difference between Jesus after his ascension and compared to after his resurrection. Yeah. It's funny because uh, I, think, I think some hymnody reflects that that he has wounds even in heaven. Well, it'd have to have a Bible passage behind it. Yeah, that. of and course, of anything. course, yeah. All right, stanza three, please. The joy of all who dwell above, the joy of all below, to whom he manifests his love and grants his name to know. What is the difference between dwelling above and dwelling below the joy of all who dwell above the joy of all below well uh it's uh i would say it's we we share that glory too but i don't think we we enjoy it in the fullness of the glory the the fullness of joy comes only in heaven in fact with the the resurrection on the last day when we're raised and our bodies are glorified and uh and we enter uh we enter his uh, his heavenly kingdom so uh but nevertheless we also we also share this joy below what is the difference between above and below i would say it's uh, subdued uh, it's under no, the no, shadow no, of the no, cross no, down no, below no. what's the what? difference between above and below what are they talking well, about? Above, above is with our Lord in heaven. Below is here uh, on this earth in his in his uh, his earthly kingdom, but also his kingdom of grace, the church. So, who are those who are above? The uh, church triumphant, the saints. Well, the church actually that has died and in the spirit is with Jesus. Right. They they don't become triumphant until judgment day. Is that right? Uh, you know, I've always uh no no kidding. I don't know if I uh I've understood it that way. I I I say we enter the church triumphant at death when we we're asleep in 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 Jesus 
we're still in the church triumphant, wouldn't we be? We're always in the church triumphant, even here on earth. It's that, that's why it's called the kingdom of heaven is like all those parables. So when I hear the joy of all who dwell above, those are the ones mentioned in the Lord's Supper with angels, archangels, and... All the company of heaven. Exactly. In okay. comparison to the joy of all who below, and we definitely have joy below here on earth. Just attend a proper Christian funeral, and though you weep, you do not weep as those who have no hope. So that's how right. I distinguish between those who dwell above and those who dwell below. Mm -hmm. Because his name has manifest his love and he grants his name to know. When does he do that? Oh, uh, actually at baptism. Excellent. Well said. Yep. All right. Stanza four, please. To them, the cross, with all its shame, with all its grace, is given. Their name, an everlasting name, their joy, the joy of heaven. So who's the them in verse four? That's... Uh, that's uh, believers, believers in yes. Christ. And I would include both those who have joy dwelling above and those dwelling below. Okay. And to them, all its grace is given. See, that's really an odd statement that the cross is shame and yet also grace. Well, that's why we call it Good Friday. Yes. I mean, it, it is a it is a shame, but but uh, nevertheless, for us believers, it is indeed Good Friday, and it is it is grace. Well said, well said. All right, I'll read five. They suffer with their Lord below. They reign with Him above their profit and their joy to know the mystery of his love. So that's why I said in verse three, the joy of all below is explained by stanza five. Uh -huh. Because we suffer with their Lord below. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're still under his grace, but we're under the shadow of the cross too. Yes. And at the very same time that we're suffering here below, we're also reigning with him above. Right. Because in Ephesians, it not only says that we have died to sin, it not only says that we have risen from the dead, we have life, but it also says we are at the right hand of God. Right. Well, we're How are we at the right hand of God? When does we're, that occur? Because where the head is, there will the body be also. And uh, we're, well said. we're in the church. We're members of his body. So in that sense, yes, we have risen with him. Yes. And 
we actually communicate with Jesus at the right hand of God because he is everywhere. And in contrast to being our, well, prosecutor, which the devil is, Jesus is referred to as our defense attorney. Right. Our advocate and defender. Absolutely. All right. Stanza six. The cross he bore is life and health, though shame and death to him. His people's hope, his people's wealth, their everlasting theme. So there's a difference of the cross in connection with Jesus in connection with us. What's the difference? Ask that again, Tom. Let me hear that again. What's the difference in the cross between for Jesus and for us? Well, he he bore uh, the cross with all of its shame and goriness and grimness, uh, the nails, the thorns. Uh, he He bids us to take up our cross and follow him. And, uh, of course, the cross, that, that entails, it may entail suffering or persecution, uh, very likely. But, uh, but it's, it's, actually, it's a privilege for us to follow in his footsteps. He's already, he's already carried us there in, in, in himself. We're part of his body, but, uh, but we, too, in this... Uh, in this veil of tears, we have uh, suffering as well. How do we get across to people? We visit them in the hospital. How do we get across that the cross is their wealth? How do we get across to people in the hospital? The cross is their wealth. Because the cross of Christ, Christ by his death on the cross, has broken down the terrible barrier of sin and brings us to the Father. He is the only way to the Father. And that way has been blasted through by his death on the cross, and it, we, can, we have sure and certain hope of eternal life with him in heaven by, that, by the cross of Christ. Well said. In fact, Corinthians talks about something about reconciliation. What's that talking about? Who's uh, reconciled Tom, to whom? We're, we're reconciled to the Father. Yes, or the other way. God is reconciled to us. Yes. That's really important about Christianity. In every other religion, they attempt to get reconciled to God by their works. We are already reconciled to the Father because of the works of Jesus Christ and his cross. And I would say, Tom, that's what that curtain in the temple torn in two showed, that God is reconciled to us. Moreover, his Holy Spirit comes and makes us his temple. Well said. And that occurs in our baptism. Right. 
we become the temple of the Lord. Or even when we're just converted by the power of the gospel. Well said. Because that's what happens with a lot of missionaries overseas. They learn the language of the people they're going to. And then in their language, they attempt to give the good news. Now, sometimes that's a real problem. Because I remember in New Guinea, uh, I was talking to a missionary who was attending our church when I was a kid. They don't have sheep in New Guinea, right? but they have pigs. Yes. So they try to change the parable into pigs, but it doesn't work because <laughs> pigs are a lot smarter than sheep. Yeah, especially that story of uh, Jesus uh, working with the uh, in the with the gather gatherings, you know, where they where had all those pigs went off the cliff into the water. It doesn't right. work very well. <laughs> no, no. So it's it's really difficult being a missionary. Yes, in using their language and bringing them up to date with all the parables uh, and using things because Jesus uses parables about things that are happening in his world. And a lot of times you have to explain that. Remember, I've, I've said a lot now on the program that the purpose of the pastor is to explain the English of the translations because we don't really often know what God means even when we speak the English. All right. Thank you very much, Pastor Smith. The head that once was crowned with thorns. We'll be singing it in the congregation I'm attending, which, by the way, I only have three more weeks with that congregation, and I'll be available for preaching after December 10th. So email me at tombaker at brick.net. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.